You're listening to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise, where we are committed to bringing you to the other side, taking you from dreams to possibilities and on to reality. Listen in on talks for business and life coaching starting right now with your host, Tiffany Rufino. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is May 6th, 2019. I am here with my number one paycheck, Jeff Rufino. Say hi. <laughs> That's funny. What's up? <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a new uh, way to introduce you every time, so we'll just see what sticks to the wall. <laughs> that just has so much backstory. It's hilarious. Uh, so welcome back. Thanks for hanging out through our hiatus. Uh, there's a couple things that have been going on, but now we are back and ready to uh, bring you all the best. And today we are going to talk about, we have three things to talk about, right? Three things. Sure. Sure. So the first thing is, I'll, I'll introduce in a minute, but then we're going to go into hashtags and we're going to go into dress code. The very first thing that I want to mention is that Dave Ramsey has a program called Entree Leadership. Dave Ramsey is amazing with... Uh, coaching people through their finances and working through budgets and really being smart about your money. And I got to see him uh, introduce the Entree Leadership Program in about, I think it was 2016, I went to his summit in Orlando. And he just recently had a summit in San Diego. And Ken Coleman is part of Dave Ramsey's group. And Ken Coleman talks about Entree Leadership strictly with how to maneuver through leadership scenarios and also, you know, how to guide people through what they want as far as their leadership goals are and their dream jobs and things like that. So anything really career oriented, Ken Coleman helps with. And the other day, Jeff and I were driving home and we were listening to the summit and Ken Coleman is on there. And lo and behold, I like stop breathing and I look at Jeff and I'm driving, mind you, but we were safe. And I said, oh my gosh, so this is exactly what we talked about on our very first podcast. And what he was talking about was how the job itself shouldn't fit the person. The person should create their job. And that, you know, the job description is really based on what the person's strengths are. And he was talking about how, you know, what college does and what school does right now is really inhibiting people from doing their best because what school is doing is teaching people how to take tests, but it's not teaching people how to be creative and step outside the box and go on that path. And part of those I combine with my own leadership in that I like to ask for forgiveness before I ask for permission. And that's the creative outside thinking that I work with. At the same time, I need that structure too, because I have the linear thinking when it comes to business, but when I work with people, I have the matrix <clears throat> thinking where you have to be free-flowing based on the person that you're talking with. Uh, so when you were in the car and you heard that, were there any thoughts that came up for you as far as how it compared to our first podcast and uh, what they were saying? I just like being on the right track. Uh, I like thinking the way successful people think, not that I'm not, but, um, you know, the old adage, great minds think alike. Mm -hmm. um, I I agree that school does a lot of inhibiting. School teaches you the, I'm going to put this in quotes, the right way to do things mm. and not how to come up with a better way to do things. So really more like the foundation and the app, not the application. Yeah. 
that's a yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Interestingly enough, I just graduated from college. <laughs> so I, I, this is fresh on my mind, right? And a lot of it, because I work full time, I'm taking the courses online. So there's interaction and emails and things like that. And I do have one course where the teacher and I bonded, but the rest was just do this, do that, take your test, submit your test, submit your paperwork, no comments on the paperwork. And it was just a matter of what you got graded on, right? And I think that's always been something that school has been missing, whether it's high school or middle school, is that they don't teach the basic life skills or the the application of doing it because we'll teach you really how to get there, but we're not going to teach you the gray areas. Here's the black and white, the foundation, figure it out as you go. Um, but anywho, the fact that... These- just to jump in and just like when you're an entrepreneur, if you're doing things the way they teach it in school, just the same way that everybody else... What's different about your business? Right. You're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. So if you don't know how to differentiate your specific business, your specific product, what's the point, right? And then I think it lacks teaching the critical thinking piece, right? Because if you're teaching everybody to do the same thing the same way, you are you have essentially robots that are going in, working in the nine to five, doing the paperwork and things like that. And I'm not saying schooling makes you a robot. I'm not saying it's not important because I do think schooling is important. I'm just wondering, do we have to change the way that we school people in the same way that my mindset is, is that we have to change the way that we're doing business and the way that we're structuring business and that it's gotten up to this point, but we're getting stagnant on what the results are. So you have... And this is going to be another episode for another time, so stay tuned. But, you know, it goes into the different generations and the generations that we have now that are coming into the workforce. We have to adapt to them versus asking them to adapt to us if we want to thrive as a business, as an organization, as a country. And I think it's the same thing with schooling is that we have to change what used to work because people have grown and have different ideas and we're not facilitating a space for them to use those outlets and ideas. But my point being with the entree leadership and the Ken Coleman thought process is, is that Dave Ramsey and Ken Coleman and their entire team, I listen to their podcasts. I absolutely love the things that they say. I, I absorb it as much as I do water. It's just, you know, fuel for my mind. However, I've never heard them discuss this before. And I'm not saying that somebody's from their show is out there like listening to my show and they took it and they said, Hey, Ken, go talk about this. Cause this sounded great. And if they did, that's awesome. However, what I'm trying to say is that I felt that it made me feel like I was on the right path, that I was ahead of the game because I had stopped listening to podcasts for a little bit because I wanted it to not be regenerated through the things that I was saying. I didn't want to steal anybody's thoughts subconsciously or anything like that. I wanted it to come from my heart. And sometimes you have to quiet the voices and quiet your mind for that to happen. But the fact that somebody said this after my podcast and I'm saying the same thing means that there's a group of people ready for a new movement. And that just feels really good because the other side enterprise is ready for that. And that's what we're taking people to. So that's where I'll end with the entree leadership shout out. Shout out to Dave Ramsey and his team. I adore you guys. Chris Hogan was great when I saw him speak. Um, and they're coming to Orlando next year, which I'm trying to work on going to see. All about it. Cool. So moving on to another topic is hashtags. And this was brought up by a listener that had 
um, reached out to me and, and asked how I felt about specific hashtags. And one of them specifically was hashtag grind, which brought me to, okay, there's hashtag grind, there's hashtag hustle, there's hashtag like boss babe, there's hashtag, you know, work hard and, and all these hashtags surrounding I think more geared towards entree leadership, right? Which is the entrepreneur leadership combined and people that are on, um, you know, trying to do something greater, bigger, better than what's already out there. And the question was, how do I feel? The initial question was, how do I feel about the word hashtag grind? And my initial thoughts are, A, I've used it in the past. I've used all of the ones that I've mentioned. But when I was actually asked, how do I feel? And I broke it down. I felt that the word grind had a negative connotation to it because when you think about having, let's say a diamond, for example, and you start grinding it against something that's going to break it down, it results in a different form and also burnout, I think. So like if you think about somebody that is moving towards a goal and their hashtag on the grind they're grinding themselves down until they reach their goal, but then that's al almost breaking themselves down in order to obtain that goal. And I felt that that was a negative perspective to look at because when I think about my quote-unquote grind, I don't think of the result as leaving me in pieces. I think of it almost the opposite, that, you know, you have everything kind of scattered out as far as your ideas go and where you want to build things and what you want to create and that forms the diamond, not that you have to break it down in order to see what it is. So I, I felt that it's not a bad word to use or anything like that. It's just talk about, you know, is grind the right word? Is hustle the right word? Because when I think about hustle, I think that, you know, coming from New York, you and I, there is a hustle there. And sometimes it's not a legitimate hustle. <laughs> um, so I think you and I probably associate that word a little differently than maybe somebody that lives in a different area. And that's just based on the culture that you're surrounded by. But I don't, I, I associate the word hustle with, yeah, you're moving, you have a sense of urgency, you're getting things done. But at the same time, a hustle is almost like, I got to do what I got to do to get the money right now versus, um, you know, actually long term thinking about a plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, something you said. So, like, when I think about the word grind, um, especially w with what it relates to entree lead, if I say I'm on my grind, I think it depends on how you use it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm headed to the grind. Nine to five, humdrum. Which is grinding you down. Yeah, it's the it same thing every day. You, you know, and you might not think about it just then, but, yeah, I'm on my grind. But sometimes... You know, if you're temporarily, I'm I'm grinding it out. Like I I have this goal to hit, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna attack it. I'm gonna grind it out until it's done. Um, I, I guess duration, like how how long you're doing the same act, like the same job for, or whatever. Um, Do you think it's different when it's said verbally versus used as a hashtag? No, no language. I think language is language. And so I just picture somebody going to work at a laundromat and, you know, I'm on my grind. And are How you... many people have you heard say that that work at a laundromat? 
I don't know anybody that works at a laundromat, <laughs> but I'm trying to. There's my, that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to perform some empathy. I'm sure. They, I'm sure somebody who works at a laundromat would say, you know, that's their grind. That's, I mean, that's there may hustle. be right. But I would think somebody that's working at a laundromat that's also working at a grocery store that's also like doing things for the kids and, and that has more than one thing going on might say that they're on the grind. But I also think all of those things end up burning somebody out. And I think that's where the word comes from. I think on social media, when you use as a hashtag, it's we have this theory as a society that if you're not working hard, then are you really grinding? Right? If you're if you're not busting your butt every day, if you're not showing it, if you're not showing the wear out, the burnout, then are you really working? Like, are you really grinding? And it's used as almost like, look at me, I'm at work. Here's my selfie. I'm on the grind. Look at me. I'm at a networking event. I'm on my grind, you know, and, and trying to catch the attention of all the things that people do. But I think it's the wrong word to use. Yeah, I mean, it, social media in general, I have I'm not a I'm not a big social media person. I really need to get better at it. But um, it's a it's such a dangerous thing. Because if you if you're using it for the right reason, you can you know do what by definition network socially. You can meet new people. Uh, you can network professionally. You can uh, expand your horizons. Come learn join new things. our on the grind group. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're a hundred percent right in that. Um, oftentimes, what you see is people not really looking to. It's almost like they form a little echo chamber mm. that they think that what they're doing, that their grind is something that makes them look good when really a grind should be something that is, you know, you should, something should be grinding you the way you would grind a, a diamond so that you can create, like, because that's what you do. You you polish, you, you know, they, they say a diamond in the rough. You have to polish it down, grind it down, form it, right? So if if you're on social media and you do hashtag grind, are you really doing that for your friends that are not grinding? Um, how How is that improving you? Or are you grinding in the way that you're taking what you have and you're creating something new out of it? Yeah. Which would be, you know, the theory that I have of taking the diamond and grading it down to something different than what it is. So I think it could go... Either way, based on what you just said, it's the intention behind using it. Are you using it to catch followers? Are you using it to inspire and show your sense of urgency and your sense of ingenuity and the fact that you're still getting up and going out there to kind of document your story, you know, on where you were at and like, look, I'm on the grind and this is, I've been on the grind since 97 and this is where I'm at since then, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. I think it's the same with hustle. Like, hey, I have Do my the hustle. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it. Um, but yeah, like if you say, hey, I have my side hustle. I don't know what it is. And there's nothing wrong with anything on the side. There's something wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Well, the, well now. Uh, but like if you if you have a, you know, your, your daily hustle, your side hustle, whatever. There's nothing wrong with trying to make ends meet. But sometimes we glorify the things that are. You know, I, I think what's the most efficient use of your time, right? What What is the um, work smarter, not harder kind of situation? Mm. And you, you say, hey, I have a side hustle 
and a lot of people have this mentality that they're thinking in the short game. They're thinking, what pennies can I get right now? And spiting the dollars they could be getting later. You know what that think makes me think of? It, there's a brilliance with people who do hustle or have a side hustle. They're so brilliant in their energy and willingness to obtain their goal. And I just wonder if they took that energy and put it into their creativity as opposed to what the box is that we talked about that society wants you in. You know, you could take tests. Okay, you could get this job. If they took that time that they're spending on their side hustle to create something that was their full-time hustle, where they were living their dream and being able to work smarter, not harder, and, and make the money off of that, I wonder what kind of businesses and ideas and thought processes would come of that, right? Like, I think about, um, you know, the littlest things, like somebody that created the plastic that goes on the shoelaces or somebody that created the bristles that go on a toothbrush and, you know, like all those little things on how do we take it from great to greater and really elevate to the next level. The people that have the side hustles, if they had the time instead of working the two to eight jobs that they need to, to survive and really were able to invest it in that one thought that I know that they have in their mind. I just wonder how quickly this world would change if people just stopped, took a minute to relax, to like meditate and let that thought come to fruition and then put it to the grind and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be crazy. I think um I think that when you are doing your side thing that you're you you do every day or your your main if if you're passionate about the job that you have daily and it makes ends meet, right? If you um if you go into it and you're not thinking, how can I make this better? How can I differentiate it? How can I, yeah, I don't want to use like, we say it a lot, like take it to the next level, but how can I make it so that this is what I do? And I'm, you know, you, you think one to one, one to someone to many, how can I impact this thing that I'm in this, uh, this field? If you're not thinking that all the time, then you're not really hustling. Are you? Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue into our next topic, because I had a conversation uh, this morning with a friend of ours, Cheryl, and we were talking about the business world and just workforce in general. And we were talking about how how you dress and your appearance can affect what your outcome is in the business world. And so when you were mentioning, you know, taking it to another level, which is a phrase that we use or, you know, what do you want the world to see? It's the same thing with first impressions. And we were talking about how for females, it's not necessarily we were talking about females coming across a certain way as far as, you know, too sexy or anything like that. It was, are we dressing for the job that we want versus the job that we have? And that, you know, is it more impactful for a woman to look pristine versus a man? when he goes in for like an interview or networking meeting, right? So I think about, we went to a small business event a couple of weeks ago, and I think about how some of the men looked where there was a gentleman that we spoke to that kind of looked, you know, like sweatshirt and pants, mm -hmm. and women are there in heels and skirts and, you know, pretty blouses and <clears throat> high-end jewelry. And, you know, is is that something that women have to do to catch the attention before they speak versus a man that comes in in sweatpants or in uh, track pants and he could still grab attention without, 
you know, it even mattering. So what are your thoughts on the dress code piece? I have a ton of thoughts on this. So okay, I always start think with one. <laughs> <laughs> I I always think in the in the long term. I always I always try to think chess player, long game, etc. Yep. So first thing you want to think about is what does Rome look like? You know, they say when in Rome. So if you work at Google, if you work at Facebook, if you work at Apple, you go to those uh, anywhere in Silicon Valley, you're going to see a different dress code than if you work in New York in the fashion district, right? Um, if You're going to see a different dress code there than if you work on Wall Street. So that's the first, very, very first thing. Well, let's stop there for a second because that makes me think about prior to me having a mohawk and as many tattoos as, as I have now, right? When I was in a different industry versus the beauty industry, it I got um, a different reaction, right? People were would talk to me differently. It was easier for me to be approached, that sort of thing. When I had that same look prior to the Mohawk and I went into the beauty industry, there was nothing about me that stood out until you started speaking to me. And I don't mean that to be braggadocious or anything like that, but, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't really play with makeup the way that I do now or play with my hair or that sort of thing. However, when I got into leadership, I started dressing differently. It was almost like the title enabled me to dress differently. And when I dressed differently, the people around me started dressing differently. And that's a that's the thing. So that's the long game. So when you get into a place, everybody's wearing polo shirts, you wear a polo shirt. That gets you in the door. That gets people to listen to you. That gets people to say, hey, he's one of us. She's one of us. Right? Once you're there, and it's like exactly what you said, you know, at my job... People start talking to me and they go, what's up with this guy? You know, and I try to make sure that I'm the smartest guy in the room or the best at what I do. I, I try to go exactly for what my strengths are and I show that off. Once that happens and you have that credibility, then you can start moving the needle. Right. Wearing the sweatshirts and the track pants or up higher and take the standard higher. So yeah, if you want if you want everybody at, you can you can get everybody in Silicon Valley to start wearing tuxedos if you're good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get everybody in the fashion in the fashion district to start wearing sweatpants and sweatshirts if you're good enough. Yeah. So there's a couple <clears throat> things I want to touch on. One of them that you mentioned which I'm telling you so that you can remind me is being the smartest person in the room. So we'll come back to that. Okay. The other piece that I was going to share is that once I stepped my game up in my in what I was wearing, because I had more confidence and was starting to reflect in my appearance. And then I went to the Mohawk. In my industry, that gave me a different uh, group of people and a different culture to talk to because there's, and I didn't realize this. I'm just like, hey, it's a haircut, right? That sort of thing. And the person that did it for me was amazing. And the team that, you know, gave me the confidence to do it was amazing. But I didn't realize how impactful that was in relationship building and how it had me, how people perceived me to come across. Because now I come across as intimidating. And if you thought the mohawk, the like platinum blonde mohawk was intimidating with the makeup, add the tattoos, and now people are like, oh, Tiffany's coming. And I, you know, me, I'm like, why, why would anybody be intimidated by me? Because I love building relationships and talking to people. So once people got to know me, they recognized me. So I branded myself with my look, 
But then once they got to talk to me, then it was like, oh, it's tough. It's cool, right? But then I go to another place of business that's outside the beauty industry. And I'm not taken as seriously because I don't have that reputation there. So it's kind of like, what's this person here for? Like, why why are you even here? And then once I sh- start sharing my you ideas. get that pretty woman moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it. And so once I started sharing my ideas, then it's like, Oh, oh yeah, okay, let's 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 look at yeah, I need your information. We need to make this happen. And not in a way that it was condescending and just get me out of the room. It ended up being a conversation that was supposed to be ten minutes turns into an hour and a half, right? Which is great stuff. But then I just wonder, you know, do you be cautious on how you brand yourself in order to reach people, or do you just stay true to you and let the people that are supposed to come to you come to you? I think it's how you carry it. If you think about, um, and, and, you know, one of the most iconic ones I could think of is like Steve Jobs, turtleneck and jeans, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing Zuckerberg major. is trying to do with like the t-shirt and jeans, yeah. you know? Zuckerberg is another one, t-shirt and jeans, very unassuming. But you walk into a room, now those two examples, those at the time, they're on top of the world. They have, the, you know, the billions of, a multi-billion, almost trillion dollar company, but if you walk into a spot and you're wearing sweatpants and you're wearing a sweatshirt and you're all slunched over and yeah people are going to respond to that you can you can rock a sweatshirt and make it seem like you're rocking you know but it's your energy that has to match yeah. or or out speak what you're downplaying. And you know, what's interesting is that I watched a clip recently from Eric Thomas, E.T. the Preacher is what he's called on um, Insta. He's mm-hmm. a motivational speaker, high energy. And he's one of the, I think like his uh, big thing that got him out there was talking about you you have to want it so bad that you can't breathe. And so he was speaking to a room of business professionals and he starts sharing with them, I'm in here and I'm here in a t-shirt and jeans. He said, but I'm also a doctor because I just got my doctorate. And he said, and I used to dress for the room that I was going to be in. But then I realized I'm the same as you guys. Why do I have to change what I'm wearing? Because I have the knowledge. I'm a billionaire too. I have the business and I'm here teaching you. So why do I have to dress as you when I already got it? You know, it's not about that. And I thought that was so interesting that this keeps coming up in pieces in my life you know, like the conversation with Cheryl today was a fantastic conversation and and what she was saying was so true. You know, like y- you got to stand out in a different way. You got to stand out as though, you know, like your confidence is shining in your appearance because especially as a female, first impressions are so important. And I totally agree with that. And I think that branding is a piece of that too, which comes with, you know, you just being you, but then also the thought, the confidence that comes with you guys came to learn something, you're not going to learn it whether I'm wearing a blazer or a t-shirt. You're going to learn it whether you're listening to where, what I'm saying, right? So I think you're right in that what you wear shouldn't outshine what you have to say, but it should also complement what you're standing for. Yeah, I I like to go places and if I'm visiting you, I'll treat you like you're visiting me. So I I'm going to you. And I don't have to conform to what you're doing. I'm I'm the standout. I'm the I'm the I'm the star attraction. There's a fine line between that and just being arrogant. You don't want to do that, but you want to have that energy that shows that you're competent, that you know what you're doing, that you know um, how 
what you say is impacting other people and just bring that energy with it. You know, now if you're trying to get in the door somewhere, that kind of changes because you are the visitor, mm-hmm. right? You, you're, if you're trying to get a job at IBM, if you're trying to get a job at, um, uh, any any Look high like you end are the job not like you need the job yeah you you want to walk in and and assimilate so um there there's there's a lot of it's more of an art than a science which is funny because it's you know it's clothing it's it's not there is not a science but to that's it. where the devil wears product comes in right when she talks about the blue belt and <clears> she <throat> says you know like Anne hathaway is talking about it looks like the same color and she starts going on meryl streep in her fabulous self talks about how the blue belt it influences what Anne Hathaway gets on like a clearance rack in a store, right? And she's like, and you just happen to pick out that same blue sweater, you know, like something along those lines. Um, so I, I think that there is an importance to it. And if you're in the fashion industry, of course, it's like a different spectrum, right? Versus if you're going to be in a cubicle versus if you're going to be customer facing versus you know, what you're going to be doing. If you're in a gym, I don't expect you to be in a suit training me at that point, right? But your story, um, and I'm just going to share it very high level, of when you went to a food place and you had been working out that day, you were just like coming off your shift for a lunch just to run in and grab something to eat. And so, you know, in your role, you're not customer facing. So you can be at home, you can just work out and then just go to this place. So you didn't, you weren't dressed in a blazer, but the people at the place knew you. And a customer makes a snide remark to you about you using your food stamps or something at this place, right? (laughs) And, um, and so you don't acknowledge it because that's just the type of person you are because you're not going to stoop to that level. Well, I I laughed. Right. That's that's my acknowledgement. I, I thought it was funny. Right. However, you have a relationship with the people who own the establishment. And so um, you shared the story with, you know, as you're waiting for your food with the owner of this establishment, correct? No. Am he, I telling the so, story correctly? So what happened was the, the owner overheard it and he about lost his mind. He said, don't you know who this guy is? And he talked me up uh, a little more than where I am, but it's... I already had a reputation. I like, I'm a regular there. They know who I am. They know where I work, et cetera, et cetera. So it it was it was funny because it stuff like that doesn't offend me. If you if you make an uh I like to tell people I'm the foremost expert on me. I'm the world's number one expert on me. So I, I try to learn about myself constantly and I have very good source material because I'm me, right? So if somebody else tries to make an assumption about me, they're not teaching me anything about me. They're teaching you about them. Yeah. They're 100% giving me a master class on who they are. So it makes me laugh. You know, like, I'm just like, okay, well, this person just thinks that everybody in in sweatpants is is on food stamps. But that's where your reputation precedes you, right? Because you have the owner who overheard it, got more pissed off than you did. And felt the need to say something to this person regarding the company you currently work for and the products this company has. 
and that you helped create part of those products, right? And so in order to put this person in their place about first assumptions and first impressions, and this kind of ties back into that quote that you had shared shared before that I wanted you to remind me about that you didn't, so you failed. Um, <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> Just kidding, but seriously. So when you mentioned about being, you know, like I want to be the smartest person in the room, I think when you're the smartest person in the room, then it's time to change the room. That now it's time for you to go to the room where you're not so that this way you're always elevating yourself and you're surrounded by people that will elevate you. And on that note, we are going to wrap it up for The Other Side Enterprise. So thanks for hanging out with us on TOSC, The Other Side Enterprise. And catch us next time when we talk about quotes and we talk about leadership. And we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We'll see you next time on The Other Side Enterprise.